Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Amen. John chapter 16 is where you'll need to begin to move next. John chapter 16. This is Pentecost Sunday. If you... um, Assemblies of God people around the world celebrate the day of Pentecost. It's 40 days after the the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think it's interesting because of all the topics in Christianity, there's none that has more more debatable than what we're going to talk about today. You uh, start talking about tongues around the water cooler at work, you may get some interesting interesting faces and some interesting conversations. But if you talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a world that doesn't know who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, let me just tell you this. He is the most precious, the most wonderful, the most sincere, the most genuine person in this world that I know. And as we talk today, I guess we need to describe what it means to be Pentecostal today. Pentecostal means in, in today's vernacular, people of faith. So some would say, well, you're kind of pushing out lots of people because everybody's not Pentecostal. When I say people of faith, I mean because to believe God and take him at his word is to be Pentecostal. And the people that are Pentecostal believe that there's a a separate work of grace, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is one of the key, key, key markers of us as believers and as the assemblies of God and in this day which we live, and, and to be Pentecostal means that we believe that everything that God says in his word is true, even if it means talking in a language that nobody understands. It's tough to try to explain this to people. John chapter 16, but I want you to understand today that the Holy Spirit is so much more than speaking in another language. The Holy Spirit is so much more than tongues. He is tongues. There is a, an evident experience that takes place for a believer who would trust God and, and look to God to empower him to do the works that Jesus has called us to do, you can't do the work of God by yourself. You can't be a mother by yourself. You can't be a husband by yourself. You can't be a Christian by yourself. You need the power of God to help you, and the power that God gives is found in the person of the Holy Spirit. But he's more than that. I'm not knocking that experience, but I'm telling you, he's been sent, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit, he's been sent to reveal Jesus to the world. He's the PR department of all of heaven. He's been been assigned to teach about Jesus, to make Jesus known, to show Jesus' goodness, to honor Jesus, to respect Jesus, to praise Jesus, to magnify Jesus, to glorify Jesus. Everything that you and I know about Jesus has come from the person of the Holy Spirit speaking it to your heart and to your life. So I can't think of anybody better to teach us on this topic than Jesus himself. So if you'll go to John chapter 16, look at verse number 12. He says that I have much more to say to you, but you can, that you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you in all truth. He won't speak on his own. He'll only speak what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He'll glorify me because it's from me, it, is, it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known unto you. So if anybody ever asks you if you're a Pentecostal, 
proudly put your shoulders back, put your head up and say, yes, I'm a Pentecostal. And when they ask you what that believes, you tell them it believes that we are about Jesus. We are about the Son of God, the, the one who hung upon a cross and expanded between heaven and earth to die upon the, for the sins of mankind. That's what Pentecost is about. It's about Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we've made everything about Pentecost about, the, about, about tongues, and that's not necessarily the case. So how does the Holy Spirit make Jesus known? How does the Holy Spirit do that? How does he be able to help you and I to know who Christ is? There's just three quick ways today. And first of all, John 16 says he shows the world their problem. Every doctor has to show you your symptoms before he can ever show you the cure. Every lawyer has to show you a problem before he can ever show you a solution. Let me say it like this. Every mechanic has to show you the problem before they can show you the solution. That's why you call your mother, so she can tell you what the problem is. That's why you call the politician. He'll make up the problem, then he'll tell you what the answer is. That's why we're married. That didn't go very good. I thought it would do better. Than There's no way to solve a, a, a problem without understanding what it is. The Holy Spirit says this. It says, he's been sent to prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. You say, I didn't see that. Go back to verse number 7. When you go back to verse 7, he says, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Jesus said, unless I go away, the, the, the advocate, the comforter will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. So one of his main goals is to show us that we really truly do need Jesus because we all have the same problem. Now understand this, the world doesn't want to know their, their problem. The world doesn't want to accept that they do anything wrong. The world doesn't want to accept that God is truly the right way to live. And the world doesn't want to accept that God will judge those who do wrong and don't do right by accepting Christ. But the thing is, it's the goal and the purpose of the Holy Spirit to show that to me and to you and to the world. I was listening the other day on a talk show, Christian talk show. And the moderator was talking to somebody and they were trying to explain to them that he really was a sinner. That he really had done wrong. He was trying to explain to him how, how that he had, he had he'd broken God's laws and how he had done, he'd lied and stolen and, and he'd broken and he'd coveted after his neighbor's stuff and he'd put things before God. He just walked through the Ten Commandments. And no matter how hard this guy tried, the other one on the other end of the line could not see the fact that he truly, genuinely was in, 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 was in a wrong place, was wrong. You say, well, how can you convince somebody that they really are wrong? Uh, it's called the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does it for us. I don't have to try to go around and convince the world. The Holy Spirit's job, he said this, to convict the world of their sin. Secondly, he guides us to the truth. Look at verse number 13. How does he make Jesus known? He guides us to the truth. But when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, He'll guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Let me just th throw out some words to you today. Climate change, racism, voter fraud, steroids and horse racing. 
defund the police. Have you ever asked yourself, is any of this true? Is any of this valid? How do you know what to believe in the day in which we live? I mean, you got parents, it's hard to know how to parent, it's hard to know how to raise kids, it's hard to know how to, how to do certain things in life because some say it one way and some say it the other way and some talk against each other. How do you know what the truth in this world is? It's really simple. The Holy Spirit has been sent to show you and I truth. You don't ever have to worry if you're being misled or being misaligned because the thing is, is the Spirit of God's been sent for the very pur purpose to help you to see what's right and what's not right. Don't you hate it when somebody tells you a story that's not absolutely true? Any of your parents' kids ever told you something that wasn't true? Let me just give you a, just a real bit of piece of advice that will really help you as a parent. Your kids will lie to you. They will. Let me say this, when you were a kid and you, when you, and you had parents, you lied to your parents as well. It's the Holy Spirit's been sent to do that very thing. I mean, what's right about spanking? You got both sides. What about immigration? You, I don't know what to believe. What about living the Christian life? What about end times? My friend, you don't have to worry about being, having the wool pull over your eyes because the Holy Spirit's been given to reveal truth to you about not just a few things, but the Bible says about all things. All things. You don't have to be an expert in every field in this life. You don't have to have a bunch of little letters after your name and have multiple degrees. You don't have to hang around really smart people to help you to know a bunch of stuff. You just have to know the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit that's been sent to guide us into all truth. It's a man by the name of, here's a history lesson, George Washington Carver. He's considered one of the greatest scientific minds of the 20th century. When the agricultural economy of the South was suffering as the boll weevil devastated cotton crops, soil was being depleted. George Washington introduced the concept of crop rotation. If you're a farmer, that makes perfect sense to you. He encouraged farmers to plant peanuts, and they did. And that particular strategy revived the soil, but there was no market for the peanuts. So when they complained to George Washington Carver, he did what he always done, and he prayed about it. Every morning, George Washington Carver would get up at 4 a.m. He'd walk through the woods, and he'd pray and ask God to reveal the mysteries of nature because he would pray this prayer out of Job chapter 12. It says, ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will teach you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And he would walk through nature and through the woods and say, God, teach me, teach me about you through nature. So one day he began to ask the Lord. He said, Lord, show me. Why did you make the universe? He said he felt like the Lord spoke back to him. He said, you need to ask for something a little smaller for your finite mind. He said, okay, Lord, then why would you make the earth? And the Lord said this. He said, your little mind still wants to know far too much. He said, okay, Lord, then why did you make man? And he said this. The Lord said, far too much, far too much, ask again. Why did you make plants, Lord? Your little mind still wants to know far too much. So he asked the Lord, Lord, why did you make the peanut? And the Lord replied, said, for the modest proportion of your mind, I will grant you the mystery of the peanut. He said, take it into your laboratory, separate the water, the fats, the oils, the gums, the resins, the sugars. Recombine these under three laws of compatibility, and then you will know why I made the peanut. George Washington Carver 
came up with over 300 different patents of things that today we use the peanut for. Glue, shaving cream, soap, insecticide, cosmetics, wood stains, fertilizer, linoleum, not to mention the infamous peanut butter and jelly sandwich. All because somebody was seeking out truth from an almighty God and the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What do you, you need to know today? What is it that you need to know? What new way of doing things does the Holy Spirit want to show you? What about parenting? How do I parent my child? What do I, how do I, Holy Spirit, how do I know exactly what to, to do for this particular individual? Holy Spirit, I need, how do I make money? I need to make money to support my family, and I don't know how to do it. Maybe it's a song. Holy Spirit, I need a song that you can give me. What biblical truth can you show me, Holy Spirit? I've been, been laboring on these particular topics of why God does the things he does, and I, and I can't come to the re re realization of what it is. Show me biblical truth, and the Holy Spirit will do it. I got one. What insight about women will he give you? That'd be a miracle, wouldn't it? God, why do they act the way they act? How do they think the way that they think? If you flip it around, ladies, why does your husband and men act the way that they act? How come they do the things that they do? I bet the Holy Spirit has the answer to those particular questions. Think about it. The discoveries are, are, are limitless. There's not, a, there's not an end of the things that we can, we can discover and learn about God or about life. Technologies of man. Great invent, the great inventions of lifetime, can I tell you, they've come from the person of the Holy Spirit. Steve Jobs did not invent the iPhone. Albert Einstein did not discover the theory of relativity. Thomas Edison did not discover electricity. It was an anointing from God, and the Holy Spirit revealed those natural truths to him, and we are blessed today by it. What does God have to show you today? He says this, he says, I'll show you, and he'll show you things to come. Not only does he reveal truth, but he reveals the truth about your future. Do you know what? I could make a whole lot of money. If I could just tell you, if you give me $1,000, I'll tell you your future. I don't even have to be right. But I could, I could just, the thing is, I could make all kinds of money if I could just predict the future or tell you the future of your life. Do you know this? I'm not going to do that, by the way, so don't worry. But can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit knows the keys to your future. He knows what lies ahead. He knows what you're doing, what the purpose is for your life. He knows where you're going, what he's designed you to accomplish. All through the Bible, from Genesis to the maps, over and over, God shows the future and shows ahead to the people of God. Ask Jesus. He spoke about it, about the apostle Paul, David, Noah, Moses were all told, Esther, they were all told by God, this is what the plan God has for you. And if he did it for them, my friend, he'll do it for you. Have you ever asked the question, honestly, God, what's ahead for me? God, what do you see that I don't see? Anybody ever asked the question? Miss Leanne was 12 years old. <clears throat> She's 50. Shouldn't say that, should I? She's um, older than 12 years old now. When she was 12 years old, she was sitting at a table cutting out the little flannel, flannel graphs. Remember the flannel boards? 
for a, for a, a teacher. Uh, one of her one of her brothers had a girlfriend who was teaching a class, so she was cutting out the little flannel things, and she was sitting there, and she thought to herself, and she said it out loud: "Maybe I'll work with kids in 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 my future, in my life." Her mom heard it. A little bit of time later, when she was still 12, the pastor was talking about they needed a four- and five-year-old teacher to teach uh, in church. And her mother overheard it, and she said, why don't you get Leanne? She's only 12. She said, but how, I mean, what could they do to a 12-year-old? <laughs> and I wonder if that wasn't sitting there at that table one day, the Spirit of God sitting there by Leanne, and she was cutting those things out, just, just showing her a snippet of what she was going to do in her future. She was 15. She was at church camp, sitting in, in the altars at church camp. She said, I just had this vision, like a picture in my head. She said, now, as I was praying, this picture was, there was all these really clean kids all dressed in white, very bathed, very, looked very nice, very in, in nice rows. And she said, and then I saw another picture, and it was all these dirty kids. And they, were, they seemed like they were poor, and their clothes were all mattered, and they were all disorganized. And she, as she was sitting there, she said, how can, we, how can I do this, God? How can I teach both of them? And she said, I feel like the Lord said, bring them together. You see, the thing is, it doesn't matter what color they are, if they're, if they're rich or poor or male or female or white or black, we bring everybody together. Everybody comes together at the foot of the cross. And for the next 40-some-odd years, she has spent her existence teaching kids. JBQ, VBS, kids pastor, church camp, teaching kids at school, third grade, second grade. Does it now in the program she, she serves? For 40-some-odd years, she has done that very thing. They've been rich kids. They've been poor kids, male kids, female kids, white, black, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. She's just spent the last 41 years, sorry, honey, of her life taking care and teaching kids about Jesus. Now, who's the one that actually told her that? It's the same one that knows your future as well. It's the same one that wants to speak to you and show you, this is what I have planned for you. This is the design that I have for you. When I formed you in your mother's womb, I put these gifts and these abilities and these talents, and I want to show you ahead of time what I'm going to do. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of truth. Not only he reveals truth to us, he said, but he also will show you things to come. Lastly today, how does the Holy Spirit make Jesus known? He lifts him up. He glorifies him. That's a $2 word right there. He glorifies him. What does that mean, Pastor Kerr? I hear it all the time. Lord, we glorify you. Oh, we glorify Jesus. What does that mean to glorify something? If I can take you back to the Olympics it's all, the word comes from the, word, from the Olympic athlete, and it's called Olympic glory. Now, let me explain to you what an I've never been an Olympic athlete, but I'll explain to you because I read about what an Olympic athlete has to do to receive Olympic glory. First of all, they find a sport. They begin to train in that sport. Then they begin to compete in that sport at local, regional, and national events. If they really begin to become really proficient, they go, to, they go to schools, training schools, where they can just focus on their sport. Their whole existence is to focus on making the Olympic team. They continue to excel in competitions that come to the place where they are able to join an Olympic team. They then go to the Olympic Games. 
They compete in the preliminaries. They compete in the finals. Finally, they get to the place where they've mastered the, their art, their craft, and they become, they win the gold medal. And then they take the person, put them on a stand. They put a gold medal around their neck. They sing their national anthem. And they receive that medal in front of the adoring fans of the masses. When it's over, they give interviews. They write books about their journey. They go on talk shows. They endorse products. They become a household name. They become notorious. And then they do it again, or they inspire other people to do it again. All of that right there is called pursuing glory. The Olympic glory that comes with mastering a particular skill or a sport. The Holy Spirit's job is to do that very thing for Jesus. To make every nation Every tongue, every tribe, see how marvelous and how wonderful Jesus Christ really is. That's his mission, his assignment. You wonder, how come sometimes in church when we start singing about Jesus, I get this something on the inside of me. I get those doodads running down the back of my neck. I feel something. It's because that's the Holy Spirit because wherever people are lifting up Jesus, that's where he's going to be. That's why it's so important that when you're in the hospital room or when you're struggling with life or you're discouraged to begin to lift up Jesus because when you lift up Jesus, he comes. That's where he lives. That's where he abides, where people are lifting up Christ. It's not hard to do. Let's try it right now. You ready? Say thank you, Jesus. Say glory to God. Say I love you, Jesus. Say praise the Lord. Here's a good one. Say hallelujah. What happens when I begin to do that? The spirit of truth, the spirit that's been sent to glorify God, comes and shows up. Verse 14 says, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. And all things that the Father has are mine. I said I'll take of mine and show it to you. It's glorifying Jesus. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'll close now. I love talking about the Holy Spirit because I came from a background that did not really talk about the Holy Spirit. If you know, under, some of you have grown up in Pentecost, a Pentecostal church. You may not understand this, but if you come up from a background that is not Pentecostal, you'll, you'll understand what I'm about to say. And I think it's safe to say that I would attend my church and the people loved God. And that's where I found Christ in, in a, in a non-Pentecostal church. And I love those people, and they're not less saved. They're not less born again than anybody else. But there was just something different when I went to church that I did not find there than when I went to a Pentecostal church. And the thing is, there were some good things and some bad things, but mostly it was good things because I felt something when I walked into a Pentecostal church that I could not explain. I watched you is what I did. I watched how you worshiped God, and I saw you had a smile on your face when you came to church. Nobody ever smiled when they went to my church. You always smiled. You were so happy to see me. And not only that, but then when you came to time, they began to sing. You, you raised your hands, and I wondered what in the world you were doing. I thought you were at, trying to raise your hands to ask a question. That's the only time it had ever happened. I'd seen people raise their hands when they had a question, but you were worshiping God. And when you worship God, you smile then too. 
And then I noticed that you did things. Sometimes you would dance. The presence of God, you'd get to feeling church. You'd get so excited, and you'd begin to dance in church. And I thought, wow, it's amazing to me that somebody could love God so much that they're so willing to forget about who's around them, and they would dance in church. And my church was so dignified. I mean, people were, they dressed a certain way and they acted a certain way, but when I got to a Pentecostal church, you weren't so dignified. You, you would just walk up to the front and break down at the thing. You'd, tears would come down your face while you were singing and worshiping God. It was like you just forgot about who was to the right or the left of you. You just wanted to, to get in contact with God. And I was hooked. I was hooked. I thought, my goodness, is this real? Can people really just go to church and have this kind of experience with God? And I found out you could do it every single week. And I thought, I gotta join these bu- I gotta join this bunch. And for close to almost 30 years, I still get excited when we come to church. I still get excited when I see people raising their hands and worshiping God. I still get thrilled when those tears begin to come down my face and come down your face. I still get excited when people respond to God. and I still get excited when people say, believe that Jesus can save them and Jesus can heal them and that Jesus can set them free. It's still just as much of a thrill today as it was 30 years ago. And can I tell you, all that I just said wrapped up, can I tell you who exactly it was? It was the thing that I was looking for. It was this person called the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. He's not just for us. Jesus didn't say if you're a assembly of God, you have the Holy Spirit. He said for whosoever will. And today I just don't think it would be right if we left and didn't honor Jesus and let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts and our lives. And one way that I've found throughout all the years that I've served him is when you come to the Holy Spirit and you just recognize Him, He comes. When you come and you acknowledge Him, because let me say it again and again and again, the Father is seated in, in heaven right now. Am I right? Biblically, He's seated in heaven. Who's seated at the right hand of Jesus? <laughs> Who's seated at the right hand of the Father? I gave you the answer. So if they're there, who is it here that I feel? Who is the one that guides me to marry Miss Leanne? Who is the one that guided me to have children? Who is the one that guided me to pastor you? Who is the one that put us together and somehow navigated all of the life circumstances to bring us here together today? Who is that? It's the person of the Holy Ghost. So today, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come. Today, you may say, look, Pastor Kerry, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't have it. Because I know that I've never spoken with other tongues, but I'm hungry for it. Because of what you're talking about wants to be on the inside of me, I want it right now. And friend, in just a moment, I want you to come. And maybe this is you. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But you just sent something on the inside of you wanting to know him more. This person of the Holy Spirit. And today you may be the be one that you're sick in your body. I'm going to stay here and you need prayer. I want you to come. We're going to pray together and believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is going to meet your need wherever you might be. Could you just lock in with the person of the Holy Spirit and get to know him? Because I know this, he wants to get to know you. Father, as we just prepare to step out in faith, come to know this person 
not a force, but this person. And I thank you, God, that you're going to once again reveal him to whosoever will. I thank you that there are broken bodies that are going to be healed, that there are hurt hearts that are going to be mended, that there are souls, empty souls that are going to be filled, and there are minds, people that are searching and seeking out, and they're going to, be, they're going to, they're going to seek and find in the next few moments of time. And for that, I give you praise and thanks for what you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.